I really look at the platforms like they're similar, but Instagram is more community focused. The stories feature is a is, is a huge difference. The DMs is, is a huge difference. So I do get more leeway with what I post on Instagram because people are familiar with me. They've seen me. They trust me. They're a little bit more willing to watch a video that might not have the best hook. And so sometimes I'll just put that info there. And TikTok is, is much more likely to go to strangers, people who've never seen me, uh, people who are going to be judging and swiping in a second to two seconds. If I was making my videos specifically with TikTok in mind, I make them a little bit different, a little bit edgier, you know, a little bit more hooky. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hey out there, I'm Jacques and welcome back to the Online Course Show. This is episode 195. Now, we've been going for almost six years now and have you ever wondered what the most listened to episode of all time is? 194 episodes in the book. What do you think the top listened to episode of all time is? Well, I don't expect you to have all of them memorized. I'll just tell you it was episode 181 featuring Spencer Russell. Many of you maybe remember that name. I bring him up quite a bit because I'm very inspired by him and his story. Spencer is the Toddlers Can Read guy. He has a wildly successful online course teaching toddlers to read. And I thought it was time since it's been about a year and that's the most listened to episode we've ever had. Time to bring Spencer back. So let me quickly kind of recap his story for you in case you're like, wait, who, who was that? What episode was that? Well, Spencer got started maybe a couple of years ago. He used to be a school teacher, won lots and lots of teaching awards, but he just, he wanted more out of life. He wanted to be able to impact more people. He wanted to be able to make more money. And so that's when courses came on his radar and he knew that he had a way to teach toddlers, very, very young kids to read in a way that's better than anything else out there. He used it on his own kid and his kid was reading books when he was like two years old or, you know, first started reading words at like 18 months old or something crazy like that. And he has now sold, I would venture to say thousands, if not tens of thousands of copies of his courses now at this point. And so many people have used his material to help their kids to read as well. Well, Spencer and I first met when we worked together in one of my coaching programs probably about 18 months or so ago, and we primarily worked together on his funnel. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that an online course business takes several components to be successful. And so that funnel is just one component, but he's got amazing courses, he's got an awesome offer, and he's got a lot of great traffic. And so a lot of the conversation today, we did focus on traffic because I know that that is a struggle point for a lot of you. But to be honest with you, we could all use more traffic. At this point, he's got like 250,000 followers on Instagram, 500,000 followers on TikTok. And that is where the majority of his traffic is coming from. But remember, he only started those platforms a couple of years ago. He hasn't been doing it that long. He's already built up such a huge following on those platforms. And that's really what's allowing him to sell multiple five figures a month 
in a fairly low priced online course. We're not talking about high ticket here. Just a couple of hundred dollars is what his offer costs. And at this point, pretty much all of his traffic is coming from either TikTok or Instagram. Now in this conversation you're about to hear, we do talk quite a lot about Instagram and TikTok, the short form content platforms, really the pros and cons between the two of them. Now he is starting to diversify his traffic a little bit. He started with YouTube has shown some early signs of success there. He's gotten started with a blog. So personally, I think these short form platforms are a really great way to get started. And I really like the path that Spencer has taken. But because it can be easier to put out content in those places, it can be easier to be consistent with the short form content, and it can be faster to see results. The downside though, is that those results can be fleeting. Once you start finding success, it can feel like you need to really keep posting every single day to continue to have that success, which is, it's like good and bad, but other platforms, especially longer form platforms, the results can last longer. One video on YouTube that really hits can bring you sales for years. Whereas one video on TikTok that really hits might bring you sales for maximum of a week or two. But that's why I think long term, a really diversified traffic portfolio is the way to go. But I also don't want you to start with a diversified traffic portfolio because you won't do any one platform well. So I like starting on one platform, like I'm going to do Instagram reels and master that platform before you move on to another and keep doing that. And so you look up a couple years later and you're on several platforms and you've got traffic coming in from several platforms. So in the conversation, we do focus a lot about traffic. We certainly talk about his webinar and his funnel, and we also talk quite a bit about mindset. Now, with that, I wanna give you a couple of disclaimers before we continue to move forward with this episode. The first one is that in this conversation, you hear that Spencer is going to curse. He's going to use a few curse words here and there, and to be honest with you, that happens sometimes, but normally we edit those out. And the reason is not because I'm just like a total square. It's because I've always thought that we should keep this podcast fairly PG so that it doesn't really matter what environment you're listening to it in. You can listen to it in front of kids or whatever. I do use curse words here and there in everyday life. Not a lot, but I have been known to do that. But the reason I'm keeping them in in this episode is because I think it's important to capture just how authentic and real and raw Spencer is. And it's not that you know he uses a curse word every single sentence or anything like that. I would just hate to censor him in any way because I feel like that could take away from just the overall vibe and message of this particular episode. So who knows, maybe this is the only explicit marked episode we'll ever have, but I wanted to give you this disclaimer in case you do regularly listen to the podcast in front of kids, or maybe cursing does offend you. That's not something you want to uh, listen to, and you've come to get used to the fact that we don't do this on this podcast. I wanted to be very, very clear that this episode does have a few curse words in it. The second disclaimer is that Spencer's like mindset and recommendations in his path is not necessarily for everyone. Now, I think that a lot of you will be truly inspired by the things that he has to say and his approach to a lot of things. I know that because I heard from you after the last episode, but I also know that it's not for everybody either. His approach to a lot of things is very intense. He's a very intense 
guy, but he's also a very passionate guy, very authentic guy as well. So I think that his recommendations, like I said, are not necessarily for everybody. To be honest with you, some of it may even rub some of you the wrong way to an extent. But at the very least, I think we can all agree on his authenticity and passion and things like that. And I definitely think there's a lot of amazing and valuable takeaways for everybody here. And the last thing before we get into that full conversation is this episode is brought to you by Kajabi. So if you want to use what I would consider the very best platform for running an online course business, then you need to check out Kajabi. Normally the free trial of Kajabi is only 14 days, but I'm gonna give you a special link where you're going to get not only a full month free trial of Kajabi, but also you're going to get my course, my full course on how to set up and run your entire online course business in Kajabi. Because it's one thing to have a great piece of software, but if you don't really know how to use it, you don't really know how to set it up, then it's kind of worthless, right? So free month of Kajabi plus my entire course where I walk you through exactly how to set everything up and run an online course business in Kajabi. Head to everyclickkajabi.com. I love Kajabi because it does so much so well. You can have an entire website there, all your landing pages, all your offers. You can have your order forms there. You can, of course, put your courses there and memberships and your community can be there. In fact, they just completely revamped how they do community, which is really, really cool. You can have a podcast there. Kajabi is where this very podcast is hosted, for example. So Kajabi is my go-to recommendation for the software to use to run an online course business and there's no better way to take advantage of Kajabi than with this particular offer. Head to everyclickkajabi.com to get started with a 30-day free trial plus get my course called Every Click Kajabi on how to set up and run your course business in Kajabi. Once again, that's everyclickkajabi.com. And so you know who else is using Kajabi other than me and who loves it is Spencer Russell. So I've given you the disclaimers. I've given you the quick backstory and I think it's time. I think it's time we play the full conversation. It's a good one. It's a, it's a little bit longer, but a lot of action-packed, great information. So without further ado, here's the full conversation between myself and Spencer Russell. Spencer Russell, welcome back to the Online Course Show. Thank you. Good to be here. Man, these days, like when you're when you're at like an event, maybe you don't know everybody, and somebody you're meeting somebody for the first time, and they say, "Hey, so so what do you do? What do you do for work? How, how do you answer that question these days?" I never do it justice. Um, it's an awkward question for me because what I tell them is, I, I I help parents teach their kids how to read, and there's parts of that that are true, and, and there's parts that obviously there's more detail. Like I, I do help parents teach their kids how to read, but people think that that means that I'm a tutor or, you know, I like work in a school building. Uh, and people think kids probably means, you know, ages five to 10. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say I have an online course uh, or, you know, this is my business name or, or, or that sort of thing. I just say, I help people teach their kids how to read. They say, oh, that's cool. And the conversation pretty much dies. I feel the same way, man. Like I, I had a, uh, I had a birthday recently. I'm getting really old, but one thing I do on my birthday every year is I go get a massage. You know, a little self care, right? And normally, uh, what are they? Mas massage masseurs? What are they called? I don't know. But 
masseuse uh you know they're normally not too chatty they like you to just you know you, you relax if you want to but this one in particular i've never you know used her before but she she was a little chattier than normal and she asked me what i do for work and and not that i don't get that question quite often but i was like oh i teach piano and she's like okay cool and that was the end of the conversation i don't think she asked or said anything else for the next hour and so why, why do you think, so, so basically me and you kind of answer the question the same way. We just, we keep it very, very short, simple, not the whole story. Why do you think that is? I th it's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure how to give people the full story because they're not necessarily customers. And even if they are, I'm in a space where it's like, okay, let's say that this is a mom. She's got a three-year-old. Uh, would be primed to like buy my stuff. I'm not trying to like, how do I say this? There is, there's a lot of pressure in the parenting space of like things that you should be doing with your kid or shouldn't be with doing your kid or like all that sort of thing. And I already understand that as a business, I'm adding a thing on to a lot of people's plates that they didn't even know could be on the plate. And so if I'm having like a casual conversation with someone's three-year-old, reading is the last thing in their mind. And I'm like, oh, I sell online courses that help parents teach their toddlers how to read. I think they're like, oh shit. Like the first thought is your kid can read, you know, and my, my kid's four and obviously he's been reading for two years now. And it's like, yeah, and like that becomes kind of awkward. Um, and then there's like the consumer thing now. So I, I, I just think, you know, like people don't have to understand what I do, I'm honestly at a stage where if they don't find it out in that conversation, they're going to see me the next three months on social media anyways. They're going to see what I actually do. And they can make an informed decision at that point if they're interested in it or if they think I'm crazy. Yeah, I think that's fair. So if anybody, you know, you were back on back in episode 181 and it was a very popular episode. And I wanted to have you back on to just kind of get the, the update from you for the past year. But for those who maybe haven't listened to it or it's been a while, just as a refresh, um, share like the highlights of your story and how you got here as far as the the online business goes or the business goes in general. Yeah, of course. So I'll start with just the business. I have a business called Toddlers Can Read. I help parents and caregivers teach their little ones to read. Um, I, I have three online courses that essentially work people through the reading process. So learning sounds, blending words, reading books. And we also sell flashcards too that go with the courses that can kind of help the kids learn the letter sounds. So that is the product. That's the service that I started. Um, the story really goes back to 2020, right around the beginning of the pandemic when we were on lockdown and I'd actually just gotten a promotion at my job. So I was working a lot. I was, I was, I was, I was really busy, really tired, really stressed, all that sort of stuff. Um, but with like the lockdown with being home, with being with my family and also with my son turning two, he, he, he had just turned two in, in March. My partner and I always knew that reading was the most important academic skill that we could teach them. We always knew we wanted to start early and we had seen as two former kindergarten teachers the difference it makes when a kid knows how to read coming in kindergarten versus they don't. So at that point in time, the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of other stuff going on, but I decided that teaching him to read was gonna be a priority. And I spent essentially a year working from like point zero to actually getting him at two reading really, really, really well. 
to three reading pretty confidently, obviously now to four reading chapter books, like that was a, a big uh, point of investment for me and with mom. Uh, but I wasn't on social media at all. I didn't have a product. I didn't have a thing. It was just something that we thought was important. And uh, at the same time, over the course of the year, working at my job, um, as, as, as time went on, so 2020 went to 2021, I just wasn't enjoying my job. It, it wasn't the kind of place where I felt was a positive work environment. I didn't feel excited to come to work. I didn't feel like I was doing what I did best, which is working with kids. And so I made the decision in February, I believe, of 2021 uh, that what I had done with my son was going to be the thing that I do with my career. And that was going to help parents do the same thing. Cause it wasn't that my kid was brilliant. It's, 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 I made the time to do it and I knew how to do it. And so from February, when I made that decision to June of 2021, that was getting the pilot course together. And very, very, very beginning of June is when I joined Instagram of 2021. And I pre-sold and then from June to December, was kind of ramping up the business. It was trying to get a funnel. That's when I worked with you to get a funnel in place so I could start making more sales, making more sales, getting better at Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, and then I think we last spoke in January. And so at that point, I had some contractors, decent number of sales. Um, I, I don't know how many followers at that point, maybe 20-something thousand i know that when we worked together you were right at the ten thousand follower mark uh and so after we stopped working together you were really focused on ramping up instagram so when we last talked on the podcast yeah probably around that point which i know you're way more than that today i am but here's the part of, of the story that matters i think that's kind of the timeline i think the part that matters is that i made a, a conscious decision that i was going to do something else in my life I, I, I did not want to die unhappy doing something that I hated because it made a lot of money. And at that point, when I made that decision, I knew I had to align things in my life to make it happen. So I worked with you as, as part of the coaching program, paying $1,000 a month when I really didn't have $1,000 a month to pay. I quit my job at a point you know, where I was making a, a, a six-figure salary where I didn't have any replacement money. We didn't have savings, you know, so that's the point where if I quit and we we fail, I don't know the language I'm allowed to use on, on your podcast, but we would be screwed, you know, um, and I think time after time, I think about my story, it, it, it's, it's believing in myself and it's taking a lot of steps at points when other people thought it wasn't wise, but I saw down the road what would happen when those steps were taken. And I think that's, that's kind of where we are today and, and hopefully a year from now. We can talk again and, and we can look back on today and say like, wow, that was really the baby stages. You, you made a, 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 a lot of growth since then. When we first met, you had the three courses. I think they were, there were older versions that exist today. The content was very similar, but the production value and, and maybe, maybe some of the content and curriculum is a little more dialed in. Um, but we, we primarily think work together on the funnel, like you said. And so, and, and then you were very focused on Instagram after that, driving more traffic. I know you have other traffic sources now. Um, I've I've been I, on your. I was going to say on your website. It's actually a new website I've noticed lately. You have a new website. I was going to say like, 
what's what's kind of different in the past year about your business if we look at it through the lens of you know traffic funnel offer course yep that's a great question um big difference is we have we we still rely on social media for traffic but we are starting to starting to diversify in the sense of like at that point last year it was pretty much just the instagram traffic now i have instagram and tiktok which is actually really important because right now for example i'm getting no traffic from tiktok but my instagram is crushing it and i have periods of time where it's the opposite tiktok is crushing and instagram isn't and so i have a stability now it's still not stable but i can at least get to the point where i can say i don't rely on one algorithm I have two algorithms that are bringing me traffic. And if one goes down, the other one can pick it up. We also have the YouTube channel now, which is, is new, which isn't bringing in an incredible amount of traffic yet, but it will. Um, we've been working a lot on our blog, our SEO stuff, and we're putting out a ton of content. And um, I'm working with a, a, a marketing team on that. So over the course of the year, hopefully our blog will be generating a lot of traffic. And we are starting to experiment with ads it's, 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 it's marginal. It's fractional. If anything, we're probably losing money on this now, but just kind of learning, um, how to do ads, building our audience, all, all of that sort of stuff. But the goal, oh, and email marketing that's brand new. So we actually have emails that are going out to people on an ongoing basis. Um, so like for black Friday, whereas in, in 2021, it was Thanksgiving night after dinner, after nap, I was like, I should have a Black Friday sale. You know, I was working from 9 p.m. to midnight trying to put something together. This year, we spent two months leading up to Black Friday figuring out how we were going to execute, what the sequence was, that sort of thing. And so now we have an email list that we can pull from and market to as, as well. So I think in some ways, you know, it, it's, it's still unhealthy and that we over rely on social media. But in other ways, I think we're playing a longer term game in terms of traffic or ads or, or that sort of thing, even the YouTube page. So we have the traffic coming from a lot of sources because I, I know the funnel is going to convert. I'm, I'm not worried about the funnel. I'm, I'm worried about the amount of new people who are coming to the business every day. Let's let's hang out in like the traffic department for a little bit, because I think that's the area that people struggle with the most. They might have an amazing um, you know product offer, even funnel. But if you, if you can't drive a decent amount of traffic to it, then, then you don't have a business, right? You're, you're not making any money. You know that. Um, and so I remember when we were working together very closely, meeting weekly, you were sitting around that 10,000 follower mark on Instagram. I knew very little about Instagram, uh, back then we're talking, you know, a year and a half ago. I've since learned a lot fr from you, uh, and from Allie Mason. Um, and I'm trying to up my Instagram game as well. But I remember that you were you were focused on Instagram ads at the time. And I think to get to 10,000, there were some ads involved that you did, but you, you kind of hovered around that 10,000 follower mark for a while. What can, can you can you help us understand what really um, what really made the whole thing click for you on Instagram specifically? Yeah. So. I hired Ali Mason, who you've had on the podcast, as an Instagram coach. I was actually stuck at 16,000 followers uh, in December of 2021. I would say for the full month. And 
to a point where I was actually getting less views and less engagement per video than I was getting when I had more followers. And my hypothesis, which Ali confirmed, was because I ran so many ads, I got all of these people who follow thousands and thousands of accounts because what Instagram does is they say, okay, you're running ads to get more followers. We'll get that for you. So they put the ads in front of people who are just serial followers. That's all they do. And Instagram knows if this person sees an account, they're going to follow. And I got a lot of those people. When you have someone who's following thousands and thousands of accounts, they're never going to see your content. So all of a sudden I have more followers, less people seeing my content, my content engagement rate tanks. And so does my account. And so Instagram is now pushing it out to less and less people. Because what you want is you want for everyone who sees your content to engage with it. And the opposite was happening. So I hired Ali. We did a, a couple things. So the first thing we did was we were deleting followers. And we deleted 50 a day. And the goal was not to delete more than that because you don't want to get flagged by Instagram for performing like a bot-like action. Um, so 50 a day, my partner Molly did that. And she would go in and we would, you know, we had some criteria, no profile picture, follows more than 2,000 accounts, whatever, hits that profile, delete, delete, delete. And so we probably deleted a, a couple thousand followers over the course of like two months. The next thing was really focusing on value. And you and I also talked about this. We had a very frank discussion because I was scared to start the YouTube page because I was like, what will I give on YouTube that's not in, in, in my course? And you told me, you can't be afraid to give value. Like people will see it and it's how the course organizes it. It's the fact that it's step-by-step. -step. It's all the other things that make the course special. And so I think I had been afraid on Instagram too of providing too much, of giving away too much stuff. But the shift from really like what's a pretty graphic, like what looks good and what gets a lot of like likes because it's visually appealing for like all the moms who follow me to what is the content people need to hear and how simply can I explain it was the big thing. That's when videos start going viral because people see it and they can feel the energy. They see, oh, this guy gets it. He knows what to do. He's explaining it in a way that I understand. And we didn't run ads for pretty much all of 2022. Like when the count was growing and it, 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 it exploding, the growth happened from going viral again and again and again. And at the same time, I track the data. As you know, I keep my analytics and I, I, I look at it closely. And so I have a spreadsheet of about 40 columns where I can analyze a video or analyze a post. And I can say, okay, here's the post I had. Let's call it 20,000 views. For that, I'm saying out of that 20,000 views, how many likes, how many comments, how many shares, and then I'm calculating a per 100, per 1,000 ratio. So even if the views are off, I have a ratio for every video of how many people are seeing it and performing an action. Then TikTok gives you the watch percentage. And so TikTok analytics are much more robust than Instagram. So I'll throw a video in TikTok first, run it for three or four days, and get the analytics and plug it into my spreadsheet. And I'll say, okay, this many people watching after one second, this many after two seconds, this many after three seconds, this many after four seconds, and I'll analyze it. And there's like two big things that I can do with the numbers. 
number one, I can find the trend in what goes viral. And I can name the formula. I need 92% of people watching after a second. I need 83% of people watching after two seconds. I need 78% of people watching after three seconds. I can say that like likes, shares, comments is the least important part of it. Watch time is it, it is, it is, it is watch time. I could have a video go viral, getting a quarter of the likes that a higher quality video gets because it hooked their interest and it kept them watching because they were curious about the end. That's not going to convert to a lot of followers, but it is going to get a lot of views. And so I became a student of the numbers. And then if that video on TikTok doesn't do well, then I'll edit it and I'll change something before I post it to Instagram. I'll say, okay, people were dropping off in those first three seconds. I know for a fact, if I post the same version of Instagram, it might perform a little bit differently, but not massively. I'm, I'm not going to have a flop on TikTok that just hits hard on, on Instagram. So I will A-B test. I'll put two different versions of a video on TikTok for two hours and then pull the one that's worse. I'll put one version up. And I'll let it run for a couple of days. And then I'll look at the analytics, see what happened and try and make my best call about how to make that better for Instagram. But like, that's how deep I am in the performance. And at, at the same time, I'm constantly talking with people. I'm, I'm doing hundreds and hundreds of DMs a week. So I've also got like a pretty tight pulse on like what people are looking for, what they're responding to, how content is playing and when to kind of push on something and when to back off. It's very interesting. I mean, it sounds like you're you're testing with TikTok and then you've got it dialed in by the time it goes to Instagram. Is that still your approach today to where you always go TikTok first, wait a few days, collect data, and then go Instagram? You know, that's the case right now when I have the content done in advance. If I've got 10 to 20 pieces of short form content done waiting, then I can go, I can, I can organize it in my project management system. I can say, okay, I'm gonna post this one and this one and this day, this one and this one, see how it does and then make the tweak. If I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants, I don't really have the content done. I, I may only have one video that night. Okay, I got one video, let's just put it up on both. Um, but I really look at the platforms, like they're similar, uh, but Instagram is more community focused. The stories feature is a, is, is a huge difference. The DMs is, is a huge difference. So I do get more leeway with what I post on Instagram because people are familiar with me. They've seen me, they trust me. They're a little bit more willing to watch a video that might not have the best hook. And so sometimes I'll just put that info there. And TikTok is, is much more likely to go to strangers, people who've never seen me, uh, people who are gonna be judging and swiping in a second to two seconds. So I'm also trying to Im, 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 improve my products, make books. You let, like there's all this other stuff that's going on. And so, um, you know, part of the goal of, of hiring, I don't think that we, we talked about this, but I'm hiring a, a team that's coming on that has come on 2023 is, is just to free up my time. So I show up, the content just gets shot and then I'm not the one editing it. I'm not the one posting it. All that's being done. I'm looking at the analytics I'm making calls, I'm informing the future content, but like we've got to free up my time uh, to be able to do the business side of this too. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I'm a fan of that. Um, I do want to, I do want to stick on the, the, the Instagram, TikTok and just content marketing in general a little bit longer, if that's okay. 
I had an objection come up in my coaching program on our call this week about these short form content platforms. Somebody was suggesting that it may be, you know, not too difficult to grow a following, grow followers, get views and so on. But what's the really hard part is to actually get people to leave these platforms and get them over to your funnel or to your site. And he was, he was pressing so hard to say like, it's, it's nearly impossible and that there, there are better ways to get traffic to, uh, if eventually, if the goal is eventually to make sales. So I would venture to say the majority of your traffic, it sounds like it's coming from the combination of Instagram and TikTok. How are you, like, what would you say to that person? How are you getting people off the platform? I, I, is it a uh, he? Yes. I think he's wrong. <laughs> um, and I think if he keeps that mindset, he's going to continue to lose. Like, 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 that's what it is. Like you have to look at a situation in front of you and say, this is challenging. So it is the platform's fault or this is challenging. So I'm going to figure out what I need to do differently. And, you know, I could, I could spend 60 seconds looking at his account and say, okay, here's where you're missing on the content. You're not providing enough value or you're not providing enough this or that to actually build the trust for someone to leave the platform for you in the first place. Or I can look at uh, the captions or uh, the link or the description and say, okay, you're not actually giving a clear call to action or like pointing people to do that. But like most likely it's the stories and it is not actually pushing people in the stories off of the platform in a way where they feel like it's going to be a benefit to them. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is people assume that because the thing that we have to sell is valuable, people are going to want it, but that's not true. Like even with like people launching products, I see this all the time on Instagram. Somebody be like, oh, new course, new membership, new this, new that. And it's like, okay, yeah, that thing is, is for the person receiving it, but the person receiving it doesn't care. They don't care that you did a new thing, that you launched a new thing. They still hear that as something for you, not for them. And so you need to look to him, especially at your stories and the number of people who are watching each slide. And so I keep the analytics here too. And I know that the difference between a bad story and a good story for me, a bad one, 4,000 people see it. A good one, 24,000 people see it. And that might take an hour. It might take two hours. But if I take two hours and I think of the right sequence of these four slides and on slide three and on slide four, I just have a kick-ass call to action and I break down exactly how this is going to help you, exactly how this is going to serve you. And I have five times the number of people seeing it. I can get people in, in, in my funnel. But most people aren't at the point where they're able to analyze the data like that. They're not able to structure it like that. They're not able to see, oh, this person is selling on Instagram. What are they doing differently? But when you enter Instagram from a business perspective, you're following accounts who are crushing it. And, and you're studying every post they make, every story they do, every slide they put, where they put their link, how they put it. I have, I have, I have data on literally like a link in my, um, like if I post a link in my stories, I want, I want people to click. I have data on which words are doing better. You know, like people are more likely to click this word than that word. 
And if your attitude is you can't sell on Instagram, you can't sell short form content, you're never going to perform any of the actions that I performed to be able to figure out how to do it. You're going to concede this is too hard. It's not possible. And yes, it certainly is challenging, but this was my only option for a long time. This is my only traffic. Still, if I fail Instagram, like we don't make enough money. So when Instagram is dead, I have the option of saying, oh, algorithm changed, blah, blah, blah. Or I can spend a couple hours looking through and see which people's profiles are getting better. Who's performing? What content are they putting out? What do I need to do? Am I in touch? How do I edit my stories? What should I link? Do I need a new freebie, a new funnel, a new offer? Like what's the thing? And I'm going to keep tweaking, tweaking, tweaking until I figured it out. You, you were very focused on stories with that answer. Is that, is that the key here? And I assume you're talking about actual Instagram stories and not just telling a story. Is that the key to, to getting people off? You can't do that with just the reels and the posts? You know, the best comparison here is probably TikTok to Instagram, where TikTok has the stories feature, but it's not really the same. Oh, I didn't even know if it had this. It shows how much I know about TikTok. Yeah, it's it's just it's just not the same. I don't I don't use it at all. Like it 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 essentially pops up almost like the same way a post would, and you have to kind of go out of your way to watch it. Whereas Instagram puts the stories right at the top. Instagram wants you to be watching people's stories and engaging them. So the stories really matters because when you look at the the interface when you log in on the top. There's only like four or five little profiles that you see stories from. And past that, you, you have to swipe to see more. Those four or five that you see are the people who are interacting with the most, the people whose stories you're spending the most time on, the people who you message the most, that sort of thing. And so if I'm not showing up on people's first four or five, I have no guarantee that they're going to swipe through and get to me. I have no I, like no guarantee that they're going to click through and watch all hundred or a thousand people that they follow and get to me. But when I post a story that hits, like the biggest ones that hits are personal ones. So the first time I like cracked this code, it was like I was cooking with Hamilton. It was like a, a guess what I'm making. And at that point, I didn't have as many followers now. Like sixteen thousand people saw that story, and the data that Instagram is getting is this is a really good story from Spencer and it's bumping me further left on people's feed. So now people who followed me months ago because they like to post but haven't thought about me since, I am now what they see when they log in. Now they're clicking my story, they're going through, they're typing something in the question box, they're visiting my profile, they're seeing all the other content I've seen, they see my link. If I've got the story sequenced correctly, I've got personal content, link call to action, personal content, right? I've, I've, I've got some kind of strategy to get them to click that link and I'm putting it in front of more people. But with just the profile alone, someone's looking at your content, you have to bank on them to do a lot of moves. You got to bank on them to watch like the full post or read it, to read your caption, which then points them to your link and then to click that link. When now they're looking at a bunch of other stuff on the screen too that could distract them. But when my story is up, and it says, hey, I just made this thing for you, or it's, it's, it's me talking. And, and I will break you know, that fourth wall and, and say, look, I, I, I get that you don't want to leave Instagram, but I understand you like my 10-second stuff. I have better stuff for you. 
it's going to require a click by promise. I'm, 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 I'm not going to waste your time, you know? So stories to me, I could go this next week without posting anything, be really strategic in my stories and get sales. And if I flip it, I can get the next, I can go the next week, not posting in stories, only post content and the sales would drop. But if I'm not posting content too, then eventually the stories lose their value because people know, oh, I go to Spencer's profile, there's never anything new. Or people never go from my content to my stories, which happens too. I see this awesome piece of content, let me click in and, and, and see what's happening. So you need both. But my opinion is my content is to get followers, to build trust, to build credibility, uh, to get people in the orbit and hopefully to go viral. I, I always want that to happen but that's the purpose of my content. My stories is to share some behind the scenes stuff. Um, it's only like, quote unquote, like the super fans or the super followers who watch. It's a very small percentage to give you a piece of my life, who I am, what I do, but it's all strategic because ultimately I'm not on Instagram to make friends. I'm not on Instagram for like validation as a, as a human because I, I need someone to like, like my stuff to feel good about myself. I'm on Instagram to support my family. So I am going to make the sale to people who have spent the time watching my content, watching my stories. I've built that trust with through my content. So together, but yeah, I'm selling in stories predominantly. That's, that's interesting. You, you inspired me to, you know, do better with Instagram and have upped my Instagram reels game. But the, the 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 importance of the story piece is a, is a little newer for me. So it's very very interesting that you know the to the to the guy's point that I asked you about five or ten minutes ago. Maybe if he's not doing the story piece like you're suggesting, then maybe that is the case where it's hard to get people off. Because when I think about the algorithm and the and the, the company, you know, Meta running Instagram and um and and TikTok and their goals are to keep their users on those platforms probably as long as possible. And so they don't necessarily want to incentivize um, content that pushes people off of their platform, I would guess, but they're also interested in, you know, a positive user experience too. So, but you, you mentioned you don't use the TikTok stories though. And I know, uh, I mean, early on you were talking about how it's great that you've got both because sometimes you're doing really well with TikTok other times not. Sometimes you're doing really well with Instagram. So it, it's a diversified income stream, even though it's a very similar type of, of platform. So surely you're not only getting people off platform on Instagram and not on TikTok, right? Right. So people are coming off of TikTok. It's just a smaller percentage. So TikTok, I will get more followers faster. That's the case. I have 480,000 on TikTok, 280,000 on Instagram you know, from a 15 to 40 second video so much that they go to my profile, read my bio and they have to love that so much that they read my bio and they click it and they get to a landing page of someone who they only watch 15 seconds of and decide, you know, this workshop is worth signing up for. Um, much, much easier for me to get on camera for 30 seconds and explain exactly how I can provide a service to you with the link where all you have to do is tap it, which is the Instagram story. Historically, the top kind of traffic source, or even if, if we want to stick with the, the 
the category of content marketing that I've recommended for course creators is YouTube. And I've had a lot of success there. And I also got started uh, 10 years ago when YouTube, you know, some of these, you know, TikTok obviously didn't even exist back then. Uh, I don't know if even Instagram did. Instagram Reels certainly didn't. But lately, more and more, I'm recommending people possibly start with this short form content because it can uh, it can be easier to create the content and it can be faster results. It depends on how you define results. But the the objection that comes with that sometimes is, man, I don't necessarily want to be have have to produce content on these platforms on Instagram and TikTok like every day for the rest of my life because while it can be possibly easier and possibly faster result from what I've seen tell me if you disagree that traffic and that, that yeah really that traffic is more more fleeting than YouTube SEO podcasts some of the other strategies so what would you say to that objection we're starting this YouTube page and and we're learning as much as we can about what works and, and what doesn't work. And a large part of 2023 is, is going to be exploring YouTube videos, different formats, trying to find the thing. Cause we do believe that once we find the video style on YouTube, the channel is going to grow. But so far we haven't found that on Instagram and on, on TikTok. You can argue. I, I did find that. I do know generally what people want. And on YouTube, it's, it's just not there yet. I would love to spend more time on YouTube than the short form stuff. We are doing a lot of work on blog, on SEO, um, on optimizing the site, like all that stuff. I, I don't care how many followers I have. You, you know, you know, like if, 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 if I'm at a point where I can support my team, I can support my family, I can support my lifestyle. We all feel comfortable. We're good to go. And, you know, to sit in bed and, and say, you know, we've only made this many sales today. I need to add to my stories and not just, I need to add to my stories, but I, I need to strategically set it up. Um, I, I need to go back downstairs, turn the lights on. I, I need to say this, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot 30, 40 times to have something that comes across the right way or that feels casual, but formal or like, like that sort of thing. Like that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. People don't see it. People think I just come on camera and it, it's all fine. But like, there's no way that I can just kind of show up on camera and get the growth that I've gotten. It, it takes, it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of thought. Um, and I would rather be thinking about other things, how to make my product better, how to support people who bought my course, you know, social media is, is not just, I've got the information that's going to help you, but how do I package it in a way where you're still going to be watching after two seconds. And that's really hard. I can imagine somebody's listening to this and they're, maybe they were even thinking about getting started on one of these platforms, but hearing somebody like you say, that's got, you know, shoot nearly a million followers across the two platforms say like, if I had a different traffic source that, you know, wasn't this grueling, um, didn't make me feel this way. I wouldn't, I, I would, I would be on it and not on these. They're like, man, then, then should I really start here? Right? So if you're advising someone like my perspective is, well, consider starting there because you can, you know, produce content a little faster and easier because you can get results a little faster and easier. But that doesn't mean that you have to, that has to be your primary traffic source, your primary medium for content forever, but it could be a way to get things kickstarted. What would your advice be given what you just said? Yeah. 
I think that you need to start with something like Instagram or TikTok. I, I don't really think it's an option right now. If you want to grow quickly for a couple reasons, but the biggest two being you learn how to get information across in a way that people actually want to listen. So the way that I'm able to show up on camera now is completely different than it was when I started. Um, I used to have videos on my phone when I first had the idea of the business, you know, three or four months before I was ever on social media of, of me just practicing for YouTube. Cause like I'm, I'm going to launch a YouTube channel. And so every night I just set up my phone downstairs and I would practice talking and the videos are horrendous. Like I, I wasn't good at this at all, but when you're being judged on three seconds of a video, um, when your livelihood and income is, is dependent on how good you are on camera, how clearly you, you explain things, I think it, it forces you to get crisp. It forces you to get better. And I have no doubt that that helps me with longer form stuff. It helps me with when I'm recording the course or shooting YouTube videos. And the other reason is because it puts you in like immediate contact with your audience. And so you have DMs and messages and all this other learning that you're doing. And a lot of that has informed my course too. So there's questions that people ask based on my content that I would never think someone would be confused about, but they are. And I only know that because I've been putting out a ton of content and they've been responding. I can't be making the sales that I made without that learning. I can't launch the YouTube channel I'm going to launch without that learning. I can't have the courses or the audience without that learning. So, you know, I think if someone is listening and they are worried about getting into, it's called Instagram. I think Instagram is probably a better place to start than TikTok unless you do both. Um, but if, if, if they're starting Instagram, or maybe they've just recently started an Instagram, there's probably a, a lot of people that have an Instagram account, but it's not really growing and not really getting a lot of followers. Um, you need to keep putting out content continuously. Um, you need to get in a habit of it because it's not about the content you're putting out now. It's about what you learn from putting it out to be able to put out better content in the future. And you're never going to get better at content unless you're doing it. That's the only way. Only way two is through. So you got to be putting out content. And the other thing is like, you have to be yourself. And I think a lot of people, um, they're worried about Instagram. I've talked to so many people who are doing these stupid ass dances and trends and pointing at stuff on the screen because that's what they see big accounts doing. And half of their anxiety is, you know, starting the business, recording the content, whatever. Half their anxiety is faking and pretending to be someone else. And so you've got to get rid of that altogether. You got to come as yourself because people can see through that shit. And the only reason that some people are successful with the trends and the pointing and all this stupid stuff is because that's actually their personality. That's actually what their life, what they're like in real life. And so that energy comes through. But if you're faking, you're now one of a million people who's faking to the same song and you think yours is going to get views. Like, no, you got to show up as yourself. And if you look at my page, you know, if 10 people hit my page, seven people are going to be completely turned off by what I'm saying, by my brand, by my skin color in this space. Like there's, 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 there's all these things about me that is not the regular toddler influencer, but three people, are going to really like it. 
three people are, are, are going to really like it. Maybe one's indifferent and two people really like it, but I'm going to capture some percent of the people coming to my page. And if, if you have no personality, you're selling your soul. The only thing you're doing is what you think you should be doing. You get 10 people hitting your page. They're going to be ambivalent. They're not going to care. You're not capturing any of them. So you got to come into this with a sense of like, not just is the content hard and I, I need to be putting this out, but like, I don't need to make it harder on myself by pretending to be someone else or trying to keep up with the trend. I got to come in and find what's special and what's unique about me. And if you don't have anything special and unique about you, that's where I'd say maybe give it a second thought, maybe get a podcast. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Cause, cause not everyone can do it. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say everyone is dynamic because they're not. But if you've got some sauce and you got something that you can bring out of you, that's your personality, do it. Be honest with me, Spencer. Have you ever danced on a TikTok video? Never. I, I never, ever have danced on camera. I have never pointed to anything on camera. Um, I don't use trendy audio. Even if, and, you know, there's, there's, there's two big lines that I drew with my Instagram coach right away. Number one, I will never participate in a trend. Never, ever. No matter how many views can get me, no matter how much it can help, zero trends. I'm not going to do it. That would be selling my soul. And number two, I'm not going to show my son's face. And I don't care if I have, you know, this video that could be this viral video, which I do. I have them. There's these viral videos of kids reading. My kid's a better reader than them. I can share it. I'm not going to. Because the point of my account isn't to say, look at my baby genius, look at my kid, look at how cute he is, which I don't think that you've seen him, but he's incredibly cute. Um, the point is to say that you can do it. You can do this. The page isn't, isn't about Spencer as like, look what I did as, as, as a dad. It is look what you can do as a parent. Look what you can do with your kid. And I have never broken those lines. I will never broke those lines. Like I drew that in the sand and even when my account tanked, it wasn't going to be something that I compromised. It's It falls right in line with the, with the story brand framework uh, by Donald Miller in that what, what I'm what I'm hearing you saying is that it, on, on all your channels, on all your platforms, it's not all about look at me, look what look what I've done, look what I've done for my family, look what I've done for my kid, uh, things like that. It's about it's all about the value that they could get and the things that they could be experiencing in their lives. Is that fair to say? That's right. And it, it, to be honest with you, it is a, is a really tough balance. It is, it is really hard because I, I alluded to it, but I don't, I don't look or sound like anyone else in the reading space or in the toddler space. And I, I have people, specifically white women, who come for my credentials all the time. Um, I get... I get rude messages. I get rude comments. I get people making assumptions about me, about my family, saying things about my son. It's, it's inappropriate. It's disrespectful. I don't appreciate it, but I get that it comes with the territory. Um, at, at the same time, I don't think it's my responsibility to share my resume, um, to share the teaching awards I've won, to share my experience, to share how good of a reader my son is, share my college GPA. Like I, I, I have every credential they could be looking for to support why I'm qualified to speak about what I'm saying. But again, it's not about me. And if my focus was always look at what I've done, look what I've accomplished, look at this, look at that. I can say the same thing with my business. It's just another extension of like how I've approached life. 
you know, then like, what's the point? The, the point would be to win an argument with an internet stranger who is going to be rude and disrespectful to me either way. But it, it, it is, I think, my page. Down the line, there's probably a better balance that I can draw of actually bringing up my credentials and what I've done because it is part of the story. You know, m- majority of people who follow, I don't think they know what my son can do. You know, his, his teacher doesn't even fully know what he can do. You know, like there's, 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 there's parts of this where I think I, I would need some help or some coaching for how to draw the right balance um, of sharing my experience. But generally, I lean away from it. And I shared one story. I saved it to my profile where I go through my c- credentials. I qualify it with, I'm not going to talk about this again. Um, and then if people decide to watch my webinar and the free training, I'll show a little bit more about what I've accomplished, but you know, I want, I want my content to speak for itself. I want somebody to be able to look at it and gut check. Does it seem like he knows his shit or not? Um, but at the end of the day, the, the best way to deal with the haters, is it simply to ignore? We, we've got a mix. We got a mix, ignore, delete, respond, depending on the situation. Uh, delete is going to be blatant disrespect um, to me or to my family. That typically is going to get deleted before I see it. Um, ignore uh something that is not productive, combative, uh, but no real traction. You know, someone kind of shouting in the, in, in the wind in some comment section that no one's ever going to see. Um, someone who wants a response, but we're not going to give it to them. Um, respond if it is visible. People see it, people are responding, other people are seeing it and it requires something, um, especially if it is discrediting uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that can diminish my respect and, 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 and my credibility with my following. And it's a tough balance to know when to do what. It's not perfect. We've definitely made mistakes. We made mistakes even this last month with what we responded to and when and kind of starting some things up. But ultimately, um, my belief and what I try to keep front of mind because I talk about reading and I talk about parenting is for people who are upset with the reading content, who clearly did not have a great education themselves um, is, you know, I wish I was your reading teacher. Like that's the lens I take in my head when, when, when I, when I think about it is, is, is like, I'm actually sorry that you didn't have me as, as a teacher because I would have taken better care of you. I would have made sure that you could read. I, I would have made sure that you felt successful. I would have shown you this and would have done a lot better. My approach of parents is the same way. You know, like these parents who are complaining about their kids, who are complaining about their lives, who are constantly miserable, constantly sad. And then take it out on me when I tell them that they could be better is like, I wish I was your parent, not in like a bad way. This is going to sound the wrong way on like the podcast, but like the way that my, my partner and I parent is very, very intentional. Every choice we make is on purpose. 
we've built a loving, trusting, safe environment where our son has grown up nothing but loved and cared for and respected. He's never heard a negative word about himself from us. He has an appropriate self-esteem. He can respond to feedback. He has good discipline. He's a hard worker. He's incredibly academically advanced. He's a nice kid. I love my kid. I love him so much. My kid is not going to grow up into, into an internet troll commenting on other people's Instagram posts. I know that for 100% certain. He's not. And so for people who spend their time and energy upset with me in my comment sections, trying to go back and forth, stirring stuff up, calling people names, it's like, I wish, I wish you could have experienced what I'm trying to help you provide. I can't. So that's outside of my control and not in a, in a mean way, but I, I genuinely wish someone's situation was better because it's not a happy life uh, that leads to those behaviors online. I like the way you approach it in terms of, you know, here's the criteria for delete, here's the criteria for ignore, and then here's the criteria for actually responding. And, and I like that it's basically if it's in a public setting and we, um, uh, with, uh, I didn't really compartmentalize it like that, but we take a similar approach. And when it is public facing, we, we usually go for the approach of kill him with kindness, uh, type situation like, Oh, I, you know, sorry, the way you feel that way, but, um, you know, whatever. On, on the flip side, I'd imagine with the level of success you have, you know, obviously you know what you're talking about and, and have helped so many people all over with this stuff. I imagine the positive comments are, are vastly higher in number than, than the negative comments. Um, you want, when we, we try to, you know, collect and save the, the positive comments, whether it's a, an official testimonial somewhere or just a, some, somewhere on social media. And sometimes, you know, if, if for some reason there's a higher amount of trolls or haters i'll i'll make sure to always look back at the um the the vastly higher number of, of positive comments um what what do you do what do you what are you doing with the the positive things people are, are saying and and like truly how does it make you feel when you see the positive comments i'm going to give you a very honest answer and i apologize to anyone who follows me and really likes me who is listening which is like a lot of it just kind of goes to the background. You know, like there's such a high volume of positive comments that we've kind of gotten used to it and we assume it. Um, and the negative ones stand out that much more. And I hate that that's the case, but it is. I, I can read through a hundred positive comments, a hundred DMs, and I get that one negative comment and I'm just like, how do I respond? What do I do? What do I say? Especially because that comment is rarely fair. I, I have no problem with appropriate criticism, but when it's something that's unfair, untrue, oftentimes posted in a public space, that's just where my energy goes. And so we've been trying to kind of learn over time. I've, I've, I've provided the same guidance to the folks who read my comments and stuff um, about energy. It's just you got to look at the comments when you're in a, a good space with energy, either on a walk or in like a calm place in the morning with your coffee um, and sift through. But I think the blessing and the curse, which we, we talked about the last time I was on, on the podcast with the success is like, I don't really step back and look at it. Like, I, don't, I don't really take the positive and say, like, what am I supposed to do with that? great job Spence, you know, like there's always stuff to do. There's always stuff to make better. And, and so I think it's a blessing and a curse because I think I've been able to get where I get by not being content, but not stopping, but continuing to focus on the little cracks instead of the big picture. Uh, 
but your suggestion makes sense to me. And I think it could be something that I, I try or something that we do, which is to intentionally focus on positive stories, um, things folks have shared, ways the course has changed their life, which come in every day. Um, but it, 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 it just doesn't, it just, it does, doesn't hold the same emotional space for me that the negative does. For me, it also helps just keeping me motivated and aligned with the business and not simply looking at it as a source of, of income. I think that you are far more passionate about your topic than I am. Uh, as more time passes, the less and less passionate I get about teaching piano specifically and, and probably more passionate about this side of the business and helping people with online courses and online business. Um, but when I see the positive comments, I'm like, uh, about piano, I'm like, oh yeah, like this, it really is helping people. It's not just, you know, nearly passive income that I can collect every month. It's not just, it's not just a, a business. It's not just money. It's like, you know, John in Scotland and somebody in Australia and somebody in Canada, like people are actually like signing up for my program and doing something that they, they find significant that they weren't able to do before. And would they have been able to do it otherwise? Some people, yes. Some people maybe no. But when they when they say like, you know, I've been wanting to play, you know, my favorite song on the piano for 50 years and now I can finally do it. Here's a video of me doing it. That keeps me, that just keeps me wanting, you know, that kind of brings me back into the business and like, oh yeah, like this is actually really, really cool. Like I want to, I want to, I want to look at it more than just as, as the money. I think you're right. And I think I work too much, <laughs> you know, so I get those like last night is a perfect example. I finished most of what I had to do around midnight, but I hadn't done my DMs yet. So I set a timer for 30 minutes to see how many DMs I can get through. Got there some second timer for 30 minutes, worked until 1 a.m. And then just stop. I didn't, I, I didn't finish all the messages. I was tired. Uh, and there's videos in there that people have sent other kids. There's, there's photos, there's thank yous, there's that sort of thing. You know, I got, I got a hundred messages under it that I've got to get through. So I, I, I really genuinely appreciate that. And at the same time, I'm tired. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of tired of reading right now. Um, and, and, and I know that that could sound like it's the wrong way. Like I'm, I'm not tired of success or people being successful with their families. I definitely love it. I have systems that I need to set up still where messages are getting responded to by other people. It's still me um, where people are filtering some of this out for me, taking the parts that they can take. And then I'm getting some of the stories. I'm getting to deal with some of the customers and some of the success. Um, but you know, if, if 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 I'm working all day long, minus my family time, like through to the evening, early morning, responding to folks, it just it just doesn't hit me the same way. Um, so I, I love the stories. I love the success. Again, a year from now, I would love to say this is different, and I'm hearing those success stories, and I'm like celebrating everything with them. But I, I literally don't have enough time right now to be able to do that for every message that comes in. You've got, you've got some good systems in place and you've got a lot of automation in place, meaning you've got a, a very dialed in you know, webinar funnel, 
Um, I imagine you're still using Kajabi. I mean, people sign up, they can immediately get started in the course. So I would, I would venture to say that you could, you could make a decision right now, not that you would ever want to, but you could say, okay, I'm just going to produce one Instagram reel a day or, you know, TikTok, whatever you want to call it, post it on both platforms and then let everything downstream of that just happen automatically. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to work, you know, 45 minutes a day and I'm just going to sit back and relax you wouldn't make near as much money, but I would imagine because of what you set up, you would make a pretty comfortable living. Correct me if I'm wrong. Why not just go with that route? I'm curious what you think my answer would be. I think the answer is that's like not in your DNA. Like you're a hard worker by nature. You're always wanting more. Like you want to grow this as big as it can, can get and so on. Whereas other people, their goals are more about the passive income and, and doing like more hobbies or traveling or things like that. Is that, is that the answer? It is. Yeah. I, I, I thought that my, that starting this course was going to be passive income and that I, I'd be working very little. My goal was to go to the gym a lot, work out a lot, eat well, spend a lot of time with my family. Um, and obviously help people in the process. The goal right now is build the best beginning reading program in the world. That is the singular goal. That's what me and my team are focused on. Build the best program. And the only way to do that is with money. It's the only way to do it. So, you know, we are making a lot of money as a, a business, but what we make, I am putting back in. So I have three full-time hires with benefits that only happens from grinding, you know, like I could, I could, I could lay back and I could say, you know what, I could run this business on my own. And it's true. I could, I could get rid of everyone on the side, the agencies, the people, the employees, I could do it. I would, I would have lower quality content, less consistently. I would miss messages. I wouldn't have the fastest customer service time. I might cut the flashcards. But I could do it, and the amount of money that would come in, I would probably consider myself rich. Um, but that's a shitty product, bad customer service from families who really need something better. You know, like they really need something better. And so when I am trying to milk every sale, there's a sale lingering in a DM. It's not going to linger very long. I'm getting in there. I'm getting it done, you know, because we need that money because I'm paying a team. I'm, 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 I'm supporting people's lives um, and my own and my family and that extra money, let's say 20,000 extra in a month. I can put that towards something. I can buy a warehouse. So we can house the flashcards. Um, you know, we, we can hire someone to run our ads. We, we can do all this other stuff. So to me, the extra work, the extra money, the extra stuff that comes in, it gets reinvested and we build back bigger. And I think it's going to be two years, maybe three of really hard work from me and from everyone on the team. But I, I think we're going to land on something that we can look back and say, we're not there yet, but we can say, this is the best beginning reading program. You sign up for toddlers can read, you get the flashcards, you get the book set, you get the handouts, you get the organizer. You get these videos, you get this behavior course, you get this, and it's all for this amount of money. 
and there's gonna be no one hooked on phonics curriculum company other people on instagram like the only person people group that can keep up are going to be big curriculum companies target walmart with what i'm spending and the goal is to get to that space first i'm not trying to let these other instagram accounts keep up the goal is to get there first and if I if, 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 if I hang my hat and say, you know what, I've created a, a successful funnel, the business is good enough, like someone's going to come who actually cares and they're going to take that space. Just like I took it away from Jim Yang, who was the guy on Google who had this little funnel for a long time, children learning reading program. I don't know if Jim is listening, but Jim, you stopped working. Jim stopped grinding. <laughs> I saw Jim shit 10 years ago. It's the same thing today. And let's not tell Jim, my kid's a better reader too. But Jim stopped working. We're not going to. That's the difference. There's no end to this until it's done. Job's not over when we're tired. Job's over when we're finished. But here's the thing. If Jim has a significantly different vision than you have, and he has made that vision for his life a reality, whatever that looks like, then that's okay, right? Don't you think? That's Jim. That's Jim. And I feel like you're 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 so, somewhat speaking to me as well. Like you know, there's elements of my funnel for piano in 21 days that are like six or seven years old. Like there's video. Like I've been in this house in this studio for almost six years, and there are videos in my funnel where I'm in my last house. Because I don't work as hard as you, man. I don't, but my vision is not the same as yours. And I think one of the most important things that I know that I can ever do is make sure I am on top of what my vision actually is for what I want and setting things up appropriately to get there. It sounds like you have absolutely done that, but my vision is not the same as yours. And you know, the, most of the people listening to this, their vision is not the same as yours. It's not the same as mine. Everybody's got their own unique vision. And I am way more on the side of, you know, let, let this make enough money to, you know, help my family live comfortably without having to work too much. But also, you know, when I do work, it's work that I love. And I'm talking to people that I want to be talking to and helping people that I want to be helping to. Man, I just don't grind as much as you do, for sure. And we, uh, we, you know, we renovated our house. We added onto our house. We had to move out for ten months last year. And during those ten months, man, I don't think I, on average, I probably didn't work more than four hours a week. It's because of systems and things and grind that I had put in in the past, but. You know, I was okay with that, and I was okay because I did a lot of the things around the house myself and whatnot. Um, but I think it is important to understand what it is you're trying to achieve, and then uh, and then align things appropriately. Um, and so I know I'm not trying to be the very best online course, you know, consultant in the world, and I'm not trying to get as many clients as I possibly can get. You know, I'm good with doing my little podcast here. You know, maybe every couple of weeks talking to really interesting people like you, um, have a select group of really awesome people in my coaching program. And for me, that's good enough, you know, but everybody's different. And it's really here is really interesting hearing your perspective. I have follow-up questions for you, but I think the focus 
is is me. Um, yeah, it 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 really is. I, I think mine is a personality thing. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm the best at everything, but I, I set my mind to certain things, and if I set my mind to it, I'm going to be the best at that thing. And I and I and I pick and choose my battles. It's part of being a competitive person. Like part of my personality type is like when you are very competitive, you choose not to do a lot of things because you know that you can't win them and you just choose not to, you know, like icebreakers and, and things like that. And like friendly settings that people just kind of have fun. I, I don't have fun. I want to win them. And, and if I can't win them, I'm, 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 I'm not going to compete. Um, so when I chose this, when I chose this, this was going to be my career there was only one option. And my first vision was make a million dollars in 2022, which we did not do. Um, but I think we made a lot more than we would have if I didn't have that vision and if I didn't really, really work hard towards it. Uh, so I have, I have no shame in that, worked really hard. Um, you, you don't have to give exact numbers by any stretch, but I imagine you weren't that far off. Like you, you, you were pretty, it was a pretty good year. It was. If you annualizing is like kind of a joke, but the last like three months are all on pace. Like last two months of, of, of 2022, first month of, of 2023, like we're on the right pace. Um, you know, I, I've, I've no doubt that we'll hit it this year, but you know, um, it's part of the uncertainty of traffic and not knowing where it's coming from and, and hopefully kind of having it stabilized. But again, part of, of making that much money is the fact that I was putting it right back into other people, into other things. Like that's not money in my pocket. That is let's make money and let's invest to make it bigger and better. And that's part of the trajectory. Um, but like the goal, the goal for me really shifted when I started bringing teammates on and I have a shad with the camera and I have Katie and I have Mandy and I have Michaela and I have Kyler who's helping and um, different people who supported because it's not just about Spencer making a ton of money, uh, Spencer working as little as possible. It's about making something as, as a team that doesn't exist in the world, something that is the best in the world, and that's going to help support families. And I don't think any kid deserves to have what my experience was learning how to read. And my experience was still better than many kids was. Many kids is worse. Many kids never get better. Many kids never have an opportunity. And parents are desperate to teach their kids. They're desperate to help, whether homeschool or whether just a kid who's behind or a kid who's older. And, you know, if it was a random business niche, you know, I won't name anything specific, but like that might be one thing. We're talking about people's kids. So there is a business part of it. There's a personality part of it. But the product that is in our heads that people haven't seen yet, but in 2024, they'll see that thing is, 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 is going to make a, a very profound difference on literacy and on education in our country. I thoroughly believe that. And we're not going to rest until we've got it done. But yeah, you're right. It is all vision. It is what you want. Uh, my vision ha has already shifted um, and it may shift again, but I don't, I don't think it will in the next two years. That's one thing I worked through with uh, with my coach a few months ago 
was was the vision because I had I had certain goals in place that I didn't even realize were not aligned with my vision and I was I was trying to hit goals that weren't even necessary. And so I just I find that an interesting topic and and so if somebody's listening just make sure you've you've thought about truly like where do you want your life to be in 1 year, 3 years, 5 years, something like that and make sure you're not you know doing things today that either undersell that vision or oversell that vision. It can go both ways. So if your if your program doesn't end up being the best in the world, what what would happen for that not to happen? Uh, I would get canceled before it happens. That's that's one thing that's on all of our radar. Uh, I would get a little bit too comfortable on camera, uh, and one of these trolls uh, would stir something up and say, "Look what Spencer said. Look what Spencer did." because the business is still built on me. So I think anytime you have a business that's built on an individual, anything about that individual could could uh, destroy the business. So I'm, I'm very careful about what I say, what I do, even in public, out and about. And I, I never know who's there and, and who's watching. So um, anytime I'm literally out of my house or on camera, I'm, I'm very careful uh, about what I say and, and what I do. Um, I think the only other option I could die. That'd be another way that we don't get there. Um, so I should probably set up a, a succession plan so that we're, we have something in place if that happens. And number three is like a big competitor, a big competitor, you know, someone with, with, with lots and lots and lots of money, a big curriculum company or store uh, decides to undercut and essentially says, which they will at some point, they'll realize this is actually a market that was untapped. This was my blue ocean. I got here first. Well, Jim Yang got here and then I took the ocean. Uh, you know, there's no one who's really doing what I was doing. And Ashad and I shot this target back to school video where I was going through the Target section and talking about all, all, all the supplies, Target ran an ad. Like when you type in like toddlers can read Target, like there was something where like their thing came up and like, I didn't understand what it was, but someone in advertising was like, they actually chose to use your name in that search result so that their stuff would pop up. And it's, it's, it's like, that's like, oh, you know, there's like something we're on some kind of radar here. And the bigger that we grow, when we get to the point where I want us to get to, where we're trying to get to, like there's going to be a radar where someone is going to wise up and say, you know what, there's a market here. And Spence is really the only dude who's tapping it. Let's take it. And what's going to take me two years could take them three months. It's not going to be the same quality. They're not going to have had the thousands, tens of thousands of conversations that I have. They don't have my knowledge. No one does. But they can make something bigger, faster at a lower cost. And that is, is part of why we're moving fast here is because is we fully anticipate at any given point in time, someone could wise up and someone could compete. And I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm not worried about Instagram accounts. I'm not worried about TikTok accounts. I'm, I'm worried about big businesses. And our goal is to get there first. You mentioned a uh, needing a succession plan if something were to happen to you. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but what I do is I have a, a flash drive 
uh, somewhere in my house. I'm not going to say where that is for if something were to happen to me, my wife knows that, you know, to access that flash drive and it's on there as instructions on what to do with the business. Cause she doesn't know. She doesn't know now. Nobody, nobody really knows what, what to do. If something were to happen to me, but there is a plan in place. Probably should be, <clears throat> you know, it's, 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 it's grim, but you know, unexpected death is, is, is part of my story for starting the business is part of the impetus to quit my job and to do this while I have time, you know, it's because you, you really don't know how much time you have. So I get that for sure. Let's go to a, let's go to a brighter topic next. Let's talk about webinars. I don't want to go before we talk a little bit more, a little bit about your funnel. We spent the majority of the time so far talking about traffic and then just about, um, you know, mindset and vision and higher level stuff. But your webinar has been very successful. Your webinar funnel has been very successful. And I remember, and it's, it's fairly simple and straightforward. The, the webinar is kind of the powerhouse and, and it's a very, very, very effective webinar, obviously. But I remember in June, this summer, I was in France with my family. I was walking down the sidewalk uh, one morning uh, by the lake. It was a beautiful day. And I remember getting a Voxer message from you, an audio message talking about this new software, this new webinar software you've been playing with and loving and how it's increasing your conversions. And it's called eWebinar. Are you still using that? I am. Love Why? It. Why do you love it? <clears throat> it doubled my conversion rate, if not more, and it is the software. So the biggest thing that we get is we get live chat with people as they're watching and there is a difference i don't have the exact numbers or data on this but i i have enough people come in every day that i know the difference between when we're able to respond in the moment and when they get our autoresponder or they get something after the moment and when we can chat with the parent in the moment we are much 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 more likely to get a sale not only that, we're also offering a lot of really good support for free. So my webinar is a lot of value and I feel completely comfortable making a sale at the end because I know how much money I paid to shoot the webinar. I know how much money I pay per month for the webinar platform. I know how much money I pay to have someone operating the chat when I'm not able to and how much time I spend operating the chat every night, every weekend at different points during the day. So we've put thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into providing this free resource. And there really is nothing like it for parents to be able to show up. And for 30 minutes, you can get direct answers from me on any question you have. Tremendous amount of value. The polls, the interactions, all that stuff, it's, it's fun. But for me, it's really the live chat. And I'm at a point where I, I feel confident answering anything. I have a hundred questions or so that I, I know people are going to ask. I have answers ready to go. But past that, people can get into a really specific situation with their kid at school and something is happening and they can get an honest answer and perspective. And for that reason, there's a lot of trust built. Whether the purchase is made or not, I have a much higher likelihood of, 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 of getting the purchase or at minimum, helping a parent get through a tough time. Before you, before you moved over to eWebinar, you had a similar webinar funnel, but it was more like the video on a page situation. Somebody opts in, video on a page. And so 
Switching to eWebinar has increased conversion rate for a variety of reasons. I love the software. I've been using it for the OCG side of things. I haven't started using it for piano yet, but I, I would like to try it over there. Um, I noticed that I remember, I remember walking, you know, down the, down the road by the lake in France that day, telling you that it sounded great, but the only thing that doesn't necessarily sound great is the fact that you're still, you the software allows people to, uh, schedule a time when they're going to view something that's not necessarily live at that time. But what, what I, what I loved about what you were saying is that it, it, in, None of the other features pretended it was live like other software does. It doesn't have a fake amount of attendees. It doesn't have a fake chat. Um, it doesn't like, it's not like flashing live or anything like that. I love the software, um, but I did no I did notice that and I've noticed that lately it seems like you're not allowing people to do that anymore. And it's it's back to just an on-demand webinar still using eWebinar. Do I have that right? And if so, why did you make that change? You do have that right. We made that change because we split tested what happens when this is available to schedule versus what happens when it's only available on demand. And we got enough data to be able to say more people attend and watch when it is only available in that moment than when it is a schedule or an on demand. So when they schedule, for a lot of parents, it is more convenient to schedule because they have their kids with them or something's going on. They were just kind of scrolling Instagram and now they're on my site and they weren't planning on spending that time. So the scheduling is convenient, but from a business perspective, I make money based on how many people finish that webinar. If you finish that webinar, I get a percent of the sales and I am more likely to have someone finish the webinar if they're only able to watch it on demand. But people will ask, can I pause it? So yeah, just click the screen. It'll, it'll, it'll pause for 24 hours. Um, can I come back and watch? Yeah. You'll get an email with the replay link as soon as it's finished. You know, like once you've, you, you, you've come in, you, you don't have to commit to finishing it in that time, but literally getting someone's foot in the door, we are more likely to do it through just on demand, but I'm not a hundred percent on it yet. I, I, I think it's better for business. I don't know if I feel better about it, because I do like allowing parents to schedule and to say, this is when it fits best in my time. Roughly how many people on average a day would you say are watching your webinar? Let me give you a more specific answer. This will be like 10 or 15 seconds to give you. Sure. And I, I mean, give me, give me whatever numbers you want, but I, I don't need anything too specific. I'm just for context. Like I'm assuming we're not talking about, you know, two, two viewers a day. It's probably not 2 million either. It's probably somewhere between those, those numbers. So this month, 14, 17 divided by 12, we're averaging 118 a day. Is that opt-ins or people actually watching the webinar? Watching actually watching to be a little bit higher roughly what, and this can just be a gut feel, um, like what percent of your sales come from like, like during the webinar, 80%, 80% say, and, 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 and that's, the, that's lower. I'd say probably before it used to be closer to like 95%. 
I think we're finally starting to get some word of mouth sales and some just hitting the website, getting excited sales. Um, but vast, vast majority are from the webinar. And the other 20% come from where? Uh, it will come from uh, someone telling someone to do it, or it will come from days when I just nail my stories, my posts, my stories. I may just link directly to the courses and people will go and they'll buy. Um, I could get you the exact number off air. I've, I feel comfortable in this estimate because the majority of the sales come in at that discount from the webinar. So we can really track, okay, it, 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 it was this many. Um, but it, it, it has shifted to the point where we actually are getting non-webinar sales, which is really exciting. That's, that's new. Um, a vast majority. So that 118 per day, let's call it a hundred to keep it even a hundred people show up, you know, maybe half of them make it to the end Now that half. So now half are seeing that sales pitch. Um, maybe 20% of those folks have interacted with us at some point. They've asked a question, gotten an answer, that sort of thing. Like those are the people who are hot. They're at the end of the training. They see the offer. They've chatted. We've answered their questions and give them attention. Been a lot of trust built. So that's where a lot of those sales comments from people who watch right away. They stay in the moment. They get their questions answered. They stay at the end. And then they hit the offer. And not to like toot my own horn, but when we shot this, I was locked in. Like every now and then I'm, I'm locked in. That 10 minute sales pitch, no cuts, no edits. I did, I just went. And so I, I think people get to that point and it's very compelling to say, you know what? You saw the quality of this training. You see that I'm not, I'm not cutting corners. You see that I'm committed to quality. The courses are even better. So if you can think of something else, someone else is gonna provide you more value, go for it. But if you're looking for step-by-step, -step, the most support, I got you covered. Right now, three days. It's a strong sell. How many times have you redone your webinar? <laughs> like since, like since, since the beginning. Yeah, since the beginning. Like some people, some people will just put a webinar out there as like their first version, and it's like quote unquote good enough, so they never update it. Uh, and I'm curious to know how significantly you think your entire business would be if you hadn't iterated your webinar so many times. I'd say probably like 12 times, maybe. Goodness gracious. I didn't know it was near that many times. Maybe more. I mean, a lot of them are small uh, and some are big. So when you and I were working together, I had three videos. I had three webinars and it was depending on stage. So first I had uh, like just a quiz. Then I had like a webinar. Then I had a quiz leading to a webinar. The quiz matched you to one of the three. And I had done all the video myself, all the editing myself. It took, you know, each time I say it probably took a week because it'd be one of our coaching calls. And then I have like a week to get it together. And so I'd be working, editing, shooting. And then I went from the three to one. And then eventually we did the one, but recorded. And since we did that, where we recorded the webinar, it's been pretty much the same, but we still tweak. So we tweak the interactions and what pops up. We've tweaked the discount. Um, we've had to tweak some of the slides to match the discount. We've done one day, we've done one hour, we've done three days. Um, so lots and lots of small tweaks, lots of fine tuning, 
I will very likely have another webinar um, in the near future for older kids um, who may not be starting at that basic sound level, but actually says, you know, maybe a little bit more context what what they're learning in school and what the next steps are. Um, but the point is for me not to finish a webinar and have a webinar to have one, it's to make money from it. And so that's why I've been so focused on the conversion rate. And if I can tick it up, I'm going to, but we've been sitting happy with some version of, of, of this webinar for a couple of months, which is kind of a few tweaks here and there. At 118 views today, probably even higher on the opt-ins, like you'll get a, you'll, you'll, you'll grow an email list very, very quickly that way. So once somebody goes through the initial evergreen webinar sequence, they don't buy or unsubscribe. Do you, are you kind of repitching them the webinar every so often, or are you just relying on the email marketing and then possibly they'll buy it at the, the full price from your website? How are you handling those folks? I would say it's a work in progress. We have um, a couple different email sequences, but the kind of main ongoing one, keep people warm, provide value, nurture the relationship is something that we are working on and figuring out and haven't really been able to figure out what content to provide and what format in a way that gets opens and clicks. We tried like a newsletter kind of format with like three or four different things to click that bombed so far, simple two or three paragraphs, maybe two paragraphs with like one link has done the best, but that's really a lot of the work I'm doing with Kyler and his agency is the email marketing stuff because I don't think we're getting an incredibly high return out of people after they've gone through the webinar. It's almost like I've like uh, rung the rag, you know, like I've made my strongest, best pitch. I've given the biggest discount and that person is kind of done, which the positive is I get a lot of sales up front. I think the negative is I don't get many on the back end because I've kind of gone all in in their first maybe 30 minutes interacting with me and my brand two questions left for you first one is let's say we do this again in one year it's january 2024 and you're looking back on the past year what kinds of things you what kind of things do you think you're telling me about your business one year from now what's the second question is it easier or harder uh, it depends. I, I, it's, it's a, it's a question that I crafted just for you because I think you can handle it, or I think that you would possibly even want to handle it. But the second question is going to be, um, if you were me, what's the last question you would ask to you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was looking for a point in this interview where I could tell people to burn the bridge. Anyone who hadn't heard me say that before, I wanted to make sure they knew, burn the bridge, go all in. Unless you can't, in which case, quit now. So I'll just say that. Um, no, you got to say what, you got to explain what that means. Because I know you hit on it last time you came on, but that's that's certainly a key piece to your particular story and a key message that you have for other people, which, you know, we, we've talked about this at length, both like on podcast and off podcast, and it's not something I am as bought in on as you are, but you're very bought in on it. So why don't you explain it for folks? Yeah, this might be the question that I ask. So I, I might finish with the final question. And it might sound something like, 
has your advice to beginning course creators changed in the last year or so since you told them that they should burn the bridge? And can you talk a little bit more about that? I'd say that's a great question, Jacques. Yes, I can. Um, I think a lot of people go halfway in. A lot of people make excuses for why they fail. They don't take responsibility for their actions. They give themselves an excuse to lose before they start. And because of that, they're ensuring that it is not going to work. I think it is the exception. It is the rare case when someone occupies two mental spaces and is still able to give it 110% and to do the work they need to be great. I'm not saying to get a business off the ground. I'm saying to be great. You know, I think it takes commitment. And, you know, there is the practical argument of you, you, you can say, okay, going all in, fully committing, burning the bridge does give you a better chance to succeed. I, I would say that that is practical. Like you are not going to do worse at the thing you're going for when you commit. You may fail and you may have less to fall back on, but you're not going to do worse at the thing you're going for by having more commitment, harder work. And then there's like the kind of more spiritual side of it, which is just like, if you believe in energy, if you believe that there's something else in the universe, then you need to know that your thoughts matter, that what you think informs what you do and what you do informs your results. And we can't talk about my business or the success or whatever it is that feels like a success podcast um, in like this case today without talking about my mindset and my mentality going in, which I think is just so different. You know, there's people who are, our accounts were in the same place a year ago and now I have 250,000 followers on that and probably half a million in sales on that. You know, like, like it, it's, it's a, it's a mindset. And it's a mindset of like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fully commit. So when I say I've, I've hired three full-time employees with benefits, like, can I afford that right now? Maybe, maybe, but I'm, I'm betting I can over the next six months. Like that's the bet that I'm making. I made a bet when I quit my job that I was going to make money. Um, nothing to fall back on. I made a bet when I brought people on as contractors, I'd be able to pay them each month. I made a bet when I hired people as employees that the extra work, the extra push would help us get the competitive edge that we need in the space, would help us get the work done, would free up my time in a way that we can keep growing. And time after time, and over the last year, I've had to have honest conversations with myself of like, am I still that dog? Like, do I still have it in me? Do I still believe the way I believed in February of 2021, when I came up with the idea, when I was convinced this was right. And so the idea is, if you actually believe in yourself, if you actually believe it's true, it's almost like a trust fall. If, if you think the person behind you is going to catch you, then you behave differently than if you're unsure. And it's not just a, do you believe, but it's, it's a, it's a, are you the right person, right? Do you have the, the unique uh, value proposition, like 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 like, are you the right person for the market? Are you actually offering something people want? Have you done your market research? Do you have a competitive price, a good offer? Do you have the funnel? All that stuff. I think that's that's all what you've outlined on this podcast perfectly. And what I was missing with my business was you. 
it was someone to say, okay, here's the technical pieces. Here's how you set up a funnel. Here's how you get all that. I was not missing the mindset. And I think a lot of people have the technical part, but they don't have the mindset. And they can look at my content. They can try and copy it. They do. I have, I have several accounts who are copying and, and reposting, repurposing my stuff, expecting to grow. And it's, it's not going to work because they don't have the mindset. They don't have the energy. And everyone who's great, everyone who has great things. I'm not saying I'm doing great things now. I aspire to do great things. If we get to where I want to go to in 2024, that will be great. This isn't great now. But everyone who aspires to it, you have to have a mentality that says, I'm going to go all in. I'm, I'm, I am going to burn the bridge. Um, and, 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 that's, and that's my advice. So I would say, you know, like people from our coaching cohort, uh, people probably in your current coaching cohort, people who follow me and ask for business tips. I offered free coaching to people online, free business coaching, free. And I'm pretty good at it. Like I'm new, but I am, am pretty good at it. You know, there's like 20 people who are like, I'm interested. I send a video like, hey, here's my personality. I'm, I'm going to give you honest, real feedback to get better. That 20 drops down to nine. It's like those 11 are bullshitting. They're not serious about their business. That nine drops down to three who are actually doing the work. Free, as much as you want. And that three drops down to only one who's consistently getting it done week in and week out. That is one out of 20. And that one person burned the bridge. She's burnt it and she's winning. But if you're not ready to be that one out of 20, quit now. Quit now. Because why do it? You know? And I would wager when you start a piano in 21 days, there was a little bit of a dog in you. You know, there's a little bit of that fight because you're out of the startup mode, you know? Like yeah. you've made it and you live the life that everyone dreams of, but you, you didn't get there accidentally. You know, there's there's hard work. And I know that you like our, our, our visions are different, but you've got that same ability to think really critically, to analyze, to figure out what it is, to keep obsessing over these details. Like it takes... To me, it takes both. It takes some technical knowledge. It also takes a mindset. And I, I think a lot of people don't have the mindset um, and the ability to bet on themselves and then to follow it up with action. I think that's well said. I, I do go through seasons. You know that. Like, I'm 10 years in. You're two years in, I guess. No, you're about to hit two years in. And the intro to the Pat Flynn podcast that I started listening to many years ago really resonated and resonates like, I don't know if you ever listened to the Smart Passive Income podcast, but he says something, every episode is like, you know, put in the work now and then reap the benefits later or something like that. It's like, yeah, you know, I certainly did put in a, a lot more work at different stages and there could be a lot more grit and grind, you know, uh, down the road for, for me as well. Um, but that's, you know, certainly where you are now, and maybe it'll be where you always are going forward. Who knows? Everybody's different, but your advice, your top advice sounds like it's still to burn the bridge. It is with the caveat of quit. <laughs> I think, I, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I think the majority of people should quit. If you're that one in 20, I think burn the bridge. And the alternative is what? Like if they quit, just like go just work do whatever you were doing before, you know, yeah. just, 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 just go back to your life. This is this is where <clears throat> there's the Spencer that you see on, on, on social media who's kind and loving and encouraging. There's the Spencer 
that you see here who's running a business, which is like, look at your life, look at your past, look at your history. And what we know is the best predictor of your future is your past. If you start a bunch of stuff and quit, you are likely to start a bunch of stuff and quit. That's what it is. If you wake up at eight o'clock every day, you're likely to wake up at eight o'clock. If you go to bed at midnight, you're likely to go to bed at midnight. I'm not putting positive or negative on this stuff. I'm just saying this is what it is. We're likely to do tomorrow what we did today. So if you look back on your life and you have a history of starting things and stopping things, you either need to decide, I'm going to burn the bridge. I'm going to fully commit. I'm a different person right now. Or you should quit because you're just going to do the same thing you did before. Just get it done with now. If you look back at your life and you've half-assed things, you haven't been successful, you haven't really won, nothing's going right for you. Like, again, you got a decision. Like, just guess, hope that this is going to be different than everything else in your life or quit. And if we're at the point where like, I'm not going to quit either. I look back at my life and everything I do, I win. Everything I do, I, I, I push through and I will push through this too burn the bridge or you look back and you say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happened in the past. I'm a different person. This is a new year. I'm ready to go. Then burn the bridge, give it a shot. Cause if you fail, at least you fail. And you look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I did my best. I tried hard. If we sold this house I'd say, you know what? At least I went for something. You know, majority of people die unhappy, alone, wishing they had done something in their life. At least, at least I gave myself a shot, but I was, I was not going to die doing the same shit every single day without actually stepping out and taking a chance so that's my advice either quit quit now or burn the bridge you got to do something though you can't just keep listening to episode after episode of this podcast thinking something's going to flip the switch for you like you got to flip that switch yourself and get it done don't let anybody ever try to tell you that you sugarcoat things (laughs) Do do you still want me to answer your other question if you I mean, I'll leave that to you if you want to. Yeah, I think I think I, I can I can hit it pretty quickly. Um, twenty twenty four. Here's my thought on, on on the business. It feels like, and this isn't my analogy. I, I forget who said this or, or where I heard this, but I am kind of walking down a highway with a flashlight, and I can only see a little bit out in front of me at a time. I don't see the whole picture. All I know is on the other end of that highway is the best beginning rating program in the world. I don't know how far away it is. I don't know when the different pieces are gonna fall in place. I only know what's in front of me. And so right now, we just improved our flashcards. Um, We're working on this behavior course. I have a behavior course now as, as a bonus for the reading. It is good. What we're missing is going into families' homes and showing the before and after. So we're gonna add like a real before and after behavior thing. And it's gonna be unlike any behavior thing that exists. I can see that with the flashlight. But as we get started, the course might change. It might adjust. We might pick up on stuff. I know that we need books. Um, so I'm getting quotes right now. We're working on storylines. I've bought, I've done my market research. We're getting the book stuff together, but we're pushing forward there. And I've got my whole team coming to town for a retreat this weekend. We're going to talk through big picture stuff. Um, but that's what I can see. And 2024, I don't know how many of those pieces will have fallen into place. And I, I, I know that some of it will. Um, but if we talk a year from now, I should be able to say very concretely, 
we are several steps closer to the final product, the final version of Toddlers Can Read. Thanks, Spencer. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks uh, you know, for your honesty, transparency, um, for, uh, for all the advice you're sharing with people. I think, uh, I think that some people aren't going to like to hear the build the bridge uh, mantra. Um, but I think, I think everybody will appreciate your, your honesty. Yeah. Um, I think it's, um, I'm listening to David Goggins book right now, which mm-hmm. if your audience is familiar with David Goggins, then you're probably, it won't be a surprise that it's an influence. Um, he says, I, I'd, I'd rather you hate me and get better than like love me and stay the same. And I'm not on, on his level by any means. He's um, a big, big, big role model for me. But ultimately, it's the same thing. Like when you hear truth, when you hear hard information, there's a decision of do I not listen to this because it's hard to hear or do, or do I stop and, and think, are they right? And I think with, with some of these hard truths is, is it right? You know, it might be hard to hear. This might not be the right thing for you. But if it's right, then quitting might be your best decision. Um, and it, it might be hard to hear that you need to commit. But if it's right, then c- committing a little bit more could be the difference between, you know, listening to another episode of the podcast and actually going out and getting your dream. So um, I appreciate the chance to come on again and talk. I appreciate your advice and coaching as always. And I think I just want to say this. If people don't listen to you and follow what you do, they're crazy. Because I literally listened to you, you and your podcast alone started my business and it's been tremendously helpful. That's uh, that's very kind of you to say, man. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. Well, uh, certainly we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. And thanks again for, for being so generous with your time and, and advice here today. Of course. Look forward to it. Take care, man. Thanks again to Spencer for coming on and being so generous and and just honest and authentic. Like I like I warned you, he would be in the intro here. Uh, it's always a pleasure catching up with him. So thank you to him and thank you out there for listening here to another episode. You can find all the links and show notes to today's episode by going to oc.show slash 195. And hey, maybe you're listening to this and you have young children and maybe you are a good fit to take some of Spencer's courses. Then once again, that's toddlersread.com. You can check it out. Check out his webinar. That's how you get the special deal on the bundle that has the urgency built into it. Or if you just want to check out how he's doing certain things, once again, his website is toddlersread.com and on all the social platforms, he's toddlers can read on the social platforms. And don't forget about the special deal with Kajabi. Head to every click kajabi.com, get a full 30-day free trial of Kajabi plus my course called Every Click Kajabi, where you will learn how to set up and run an entire course business using Kajabi. Even if you're not tech savvy at all, I run through every single click, every every mouse click, every keystroke of setting up and running an online course business in Kajabi. So check that out, everyclickkajabi.com. That is going to do it here. Another episode in the books. We'll see you next time. 